Welcome to Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman, our beat reporters back for the start of a new season. We'll jump right into it, JT and Tom. Uh, sort of a double uh, double storyline here. Alexander Steen is forced to uh, to step aside due to a current-ending back condition. Uh, he, he will end up on long-term injured reserve. And with that money, the Blues are wooing free agent winger Mike Hoffman, making the fans very happy in St. Louis. So, uh, JT, I'll just start with you on this. Uh, I guess not a terrible surprise about Alexander since it appeared he was in tough shape, uh, but a bit of a surprise perhaps in the pursuit of uh, Mike Hoffman. Yeah, I, w- I would say certainly so on Hoffman. But you see so many teams, uh, Blues included, with cap issues, you see a lot of teams that aren't willing to spend because they're uh, – their revenues are down due to the pandemic and uh, looks like they're going to lose money again this season. And the blues is, as you so aptly put it in, in your column uh, today in the post-dispatch and STL today, they're all in. It, it, it's amazing to see how this group with Tom Stillman and with Doug Armstrong just continue to, uh, uh, especially with this window open, continue to spend to the cap and continue to do everything they can uh, to, to be a cup uh, contender and, uh, here in Hoffman, you have another case of that happening. Yeah, and not only are they spending to the cap, they're spending above the cap because Steen still is still going to get his money. It just won't count uh, against the cap. So this is actual, you know, an additional whatever they end up paying Hoffman, $4 million or so, that will end up getting uh, above and beyond. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, people have been clamoring for years to, you know, they should buy out Alexander Steen. It, it turns out, you know, this is going to be one of his enduring contributions to the team. He helped them win the Stanley Cup in 2019, and he's going to help them get Mike Hoffman for uh, the 2021 season. Before we get into Mike Hoffman and what he could bring to the team, let's take a minute to recognize Alexander Steen. And he's one of those guys that, you know, when the, when the, the Blues won the Cup, you know, you're always happy for, for players who achieve a lifetime dream. But when you see a Jay Bomeister raise the cup after all the years he played, and when you see a, a, an Alexander Steen raise the cup, knowing how hard he played and for how long he played, it is um, especially gratifying to see him get that, they have that moment. And knowing that both guys were in the twilight, and as we didn't realize how close to, to the end both guys were. But, but what a great story Alexander Steen uh was to the St. Louis Blues arriving from Toronto. Yeah, and I, I think uh, uh, he epitomizes what Blues fans envisioned, maybe, as what a Blues player could be, certainly under Berube, just the the effort, the, the willingness to be physical, to do the dirty work, to, to, to get in front of the uh, uh, net, to jab opponents uh, whenever he could. That's, that's kind of our image, our idealized image of what a Blues player should be. Now, you guys saw him when he was more in his prime, as, as a guy who could score some goals, I didn't. But he, he, even at the end, you, you could tell his uh, his value to the to the to the team in, in 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 so many so many ways, and none better than his willingness uh, without complaint to to go down to the fourth line uh, for that stretch run uh, of the Stanley Cup year. And then when I uh, I, I did a story on his one thousandth uh, uh, NHL game right before, conveniently enough, a game in. Uh, or it occurred a game in Winnipeg. And I got a sense too, from talking to players like Jake Allen and other, just kind of what he meant as a leader, a mentor and, and someone uh, 
on the ice and, and off the ice would, would, would help a, a lot of players. So uh, just, just so many ways that uh, Alexander Steen uh, contributed uh, to the team. Yeah. The thought that, uh, I mean, Steen going to the fourth line, accepting that role that year, it just kind of opened everything up. What were you going to do with this guy? He's going to, but the only way everything else worked was to put him on the fourth line and while he couldn't have been thrilled about it because it was going to mean less ice time, he was in a sense thrilled with it because it meant a greater chance of winning the Stanley Cup, which was what he wanted. You go back through the life of this goes to almost you know every NHL player. They want to win the Stanley Cup and whatever it would take to win. And he was all in for that. But yeah, fans, a lot of fans for a long time, you know, said, you know, didn't understand Steen's place and he didn't have the production and time to move on. But I think this team always saw what the, all the other things that Alexander Steen brought. And he was a very good defensive player there at the end, but his, his off-ice contributions, every bit, if not more valuable, um, to making that team into a team. Now we're going to kind of swing to, a, I guess, a somewhat a, not opposite direction, but a different direction with, with Mike Hoffman. He comes in as a guy who's uh, they hope to – Finish the uh, securing him to a contract to uh, to provide a high level of skill. You know he's one of the better pure finishers in the game. A guy that's been tremendously effective on the power play and a very good power play in, in Florida. Um, doesn't carry a great reputation for two way play, but certainly is one of the more consistent goal scorers. Uh, just from the hockey standpoint, we'll get to the cap stuff in a minute. But just uh, JT from the hockey standpoint, an interesting addition replacing some of Vladimir Tarasenko's finish. But um, it'll be interesting to see, Mike, how he fits into the group. Yeah, well, no doubt in general, you've got to play defense. You've got to play all over the ice to, to make Craig Ruby happy. But I think every team has, uh, has allowed maybe a sniper or two who's just uh, maybe a little more interested in offense than defense. And we've talked about this uh, at the net front. We've, we've talked about it on the various chats that the, the Blues kind of, I don't want to say got lucky, but they were able to get by without Tarasenko in terms of goal scoring last year, it was actually goals per game, their highest scoring average, I think 3.16 since like the 94, 95 season. And that boy, to think that could happen again, that was like maybe expecting lightning to strike twice. So they go out and get a guy. I think there's only five or six players over these, the last six seasons where the, the six full seasons of Mike Hoffman's career, that have scored more goals in the entire NHL. They go out and get a, a, a goal score. We don't know uh, when Tarasenko will be back, how effective he will be uh, when he comes back. Well, here's your answer. And Hoffman's a, a, a great uh, power play guy. I think 40% of his points are on the power play. You had Krug, uh, a great power play guy. I think that the Blues are probably scoring every power play opportunity this year. They're just, they're just loading up on that group. Yeah, Jim Montgomery is going to look like the greatest coach ever. <laughs> going to come in, replace Mark Savard. They'll put him in charge of the power play, and it's going to have this incredible success rate. Um, so, yeah, so congratulations to Jim uh, on that. I, sh I should volunteer to be the, the power play coach. This <laughs> I think we can all do pretty good. Just say, go out there and just do your thing, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Hoffman's finishing is, you know, few can compare with him in the league. And I think, you know, if that's something the Blues fans have, you know, winced at is, oh, they, how can they not put that in the net? Mike Hoffman does a pretty good job of putting that puck in the net. So 
uh, you know, how he's going to fit in, uh, you know, and, and the get down to the, the nitty gritty will be something. But um, I mean, this is a boost. This boosts any offense and it's now boosting the Blues offense. And, and JT, I guess, uh, you know, a natural pairing for him would be with Ryan O'Reilly, who's a great uh, defensive player, but a, a pure playmaker as well. You know, maybe you shuffle things around at even strength if you've got defensive zone starts and matchup zone matchup scenarios uh, late in the game that uh, Craig Berube is trying to get, you know, maximum uh, shutdown uh, out of uh, Ryan O'Reilly. But uh, just on a, on, a, on a basic line to line basis when you're rolling lines early in the game, it seems like that would be a natural fit. A playmaker who's also defensively responsible working with a guy who's going to be on the prowl for goals. Yeah, and uh, it seems like both Berube and, and uh, uh, Doug Armstrong want Robert Thomas to have a top six role. I mean, he's almost going to have to play himself out of that. So you're not going to put him on an O'Reilly line and have O'Reilly not play center, right? You want Thomas to play center. So it makes all the sense in the world, at least to start out the season and uh, to, to have Thomas with uh, Shannon Schwartz. So uh, another reason why uh, – uh, Hoffman would be uh, perfect there. And you've got the, the ultra feisty David Perron on that line. O O'Reilly's uh, an unselfish player, a great passer. And uh, he, maybe he'll come cover up in, in, in five on five plays. Some of them, maybe the shortcomings that, that Hoffman hmm. might have uh, uh, defensively. So yeah, throw, throw them out there. Uh, you drop Sanford down to the uh, third line and suddenly you've got, you've got uh, an incredible uh, looking uh, depth on, on these four lines. Yeah, you know, Hoffman essentially takes Zach Sanford's space, and you'd have to say that's an upgrade right there, as well as Zach did at the close of last season. Hoffman is an improvement. Then, you, I mean, you look at the four wings on those top two lines, Hoffman, Perron, Schwartz, and Shen, and you think at some point Tarasenko comes back, and either one of those guys has to move down to the third line or Tarasenko is playing on the third line. Whatever it is, that's going to be one really good winner on that third line. Um, Vladdy on the third line. That just kind of blows my mind there. But yeah, anyway. Well, yeah. But you know, and how these things all work together, it, it's going to be Jordan Cairo all of a sudden has got no place to go. I mean, if you look at Sanford, Bozak and Blay, um, you know, that all of a sudden Jordan Cairo has got, got no place to go. His, his arrival may have to wait another year unless he is able to outplay, uh, you know, Sanford or Blay uh, on that group. Now, the interesting uh, challenge uh, between now and the start of the season, um, besides starting to try to create chemistry in our very quick training camp, we were trying to plug in Tory Krug and Mike Hoffman and, uh, and so forth, get the group reorganized without Alex Petrangelo and, um, you know, with the changes that have occurred with Alexander Steen out of the leadership group. But you got to make the cap numbers work. So what you do is you promote your cap guy to assistant general manager, and then you give him a really super hard math problem right <laughs> off the bat. And it is interesting, you know, Vince Dunn is sort of hung up in the, uh, uh, in, in a bit of limbo waiting to get his deal done. Hoffman's got to wait to get his deal done, assuming that nobody swoops in with crazy money to steal him during training camp. And, uh, but a lot to do, just a lot of math to do, JT between now and, uh, and, and the start of the season and, and maybe some, some more roster finagling. Yeah. And if you put the true serum into Ryan Miller, the, the affirmation, affirmation now uh, assistant uh, general manager, he would say the LTIR rules are, are enough to kind of 
make his head explode. And so not only do they, they have to uh, figure out how to work the LTIR, remember they are 1.1 million above the cap right now. And as of January 12th, they have to be cap compliant. So somehow in all of this, trying to sign Dunn, signing Hoffman, they've got to make 1.175 million. I believe the, the number is they've got to figure out how to make that go away. Now it looks like, it looks like their strategy is they're going to wait until the regular season is here to put both Tarasenko and, uh, uh, Steen on the LTIR. If that's the case, they've got to they've got to move some cap space to to create that 1.175 million. Now they could put Steen on the LTIR now, but remember that money goes away. Any money created, you've got to use it before the regular season starts. So it's a very yeah. It's to to date myself here. Uh, it's a, it's a real Rubik's cube uh, to, to try to make all this figure out and, and get all these guys uh, uh, signed that they want to get signed. Is the assumption, Jim, that they, they do that about between three and a half and four and a half million is what you what they could end up with to spend? Well, that's uh, let's just say they put Steen on before he, he, he his cap hit is five point seven five. Then you subtract the one point one seven five million and you have about what does that leave about four and a half left? Uh, you know, yeah. I, there may be a couple hundred thousand of bonus money that gets subtracted from that. So if you did it before, you know, let, let, we're all assuming uh, Hoffman comes in at the, the 4 million range. Uh, so you could fit him in there because uh, you'd have about four and a half million. Let's say he comes in at four or 4.2 or even 4.5, maybe a little less than four. That seems to be the range everybody's uh, uh, thinks where, where Hoffman will end up. Well, then you've spent the steam money and you're cap compliant. Then you put Tarasenko on the uh, LTIR when the season starts, but then uh, you could use that money then to sign done. But then once Tarasenko comes back, you've got to replace that money. So they could do it that way or they could just wait, put both guys on once the season starts, but then you've got to, you got to free up that 1.175 million. I, you and I talked and texted about this the other day. Who are your surplus forwards? You've got guys like uh, uh, Della Rose and McKeckern. Cairo is still, and I, I, I'd forgotten this, he's still a waiver exempt. So you could send him down to the AHL, which isn't playing now, but you could, you, you don't, he doesn't have to go through waivers. It would be a little awkward because uh, Armstrong told Cairo, uh, uh, remember, and he told the press when, when, uh, when Kyra's brought up, you're not an AHL player anymore. You're, you're never going back to the AHL. Well, <laughs> this is a extreme example here uh, with Hawkins. So you have all that, but also, uh, You've got, and and Jeff raises in his column, you, you do have a little bit of a surplus on defense. So uh, a guy like Gunnarsson, 1.75 million, do, do, you, do you put him on waivers? Uh, uh, Bortuzzo. Now, some people have suggested, well, you just trade done, but you're not counting the done money yet. So you, you, you wouldn't save any money by trading him. And maybe they end up moving done anyway. I don't know, but that's that's not going to, save money in terms of, of, of getting you under uh, the cap or getting you cap compliant to, to, to get Hoffman. In. You know, an interesting aspect guys of this season uh, in a pandemic is, uh, and it's another complicating factor for uh, the uh, 
your Ryan Miller, the cap guy and not the goaltender is the, um, you've got to have a taxi squad now, which you can have on AHL salaries, but you're going to have to carry some guys with your team. And since the American hockey league, isn't going to start playing, I guess, until February, if it does play, assuming it does play, you're going to have your top minor league guys sort of hanging around. So in a sense, you could, you can put guys back on their AHL money and have them hanging around uh, uh, as a taxi squad guys. But then again, um, it's a, it's just a comp, another complicating factor in trying to stay compliant this year, uh, the need to have extra guys, um, you know, around and available to play because of COVID. And, and the expectation is that there's going to be a lot of roster uh, instability this year. Do you put Biddington in bubble wrap? You don't, you don't want the goalie, right? To test positive, especially since uh, the backup has never played in the game. Yeah. You know, with um, injuries happen in hockey, and this is something, you know, if, if Tarasenko isn't back until February, you know, at that point, you know, there's your, well, yeah, four more months of the season or three months of the season at that point, depending when it is. I mean, it might be easy enough at that point to say somebody gets hurt, Long-term IR, they're done for the regular season. Right. Thank you very much. And then, you know, Gunnarsson or Bertuzzo or Tyler, you know, anyone who gets hurt, you just say, we're going to go with the rest of the regular season without him and um, and kind of shuffle him off uh, uh, that way. And it'll be easier to do because the season is shorter. So, um, you know, there's even though the season is about to begin, it's going to be over pretty quick as well. Yeah, well, and maybe that's what they do. They just say, hey, we're not going to get rid of anybody now. We're, let's just borrow against the Tarasenko cap money and sooner or later, they're going to have to pay off the credit card, but just wait till then. And like you say, what are the odds that somebody will be hurt? Let's say Tarasenko comes back in uh, the middle of March, somebody will be hurt and you just say, Oh, I don't know. That ankle looks pretty bad. We're going to, we're going to have to put you on LTIR. You, that, that's a way that they can do it. But kind of back to Jeff's original point about the, uh, the taxi squad, uh, Doug Armstrong told me last week they want to keep the entire six. One will be a goalie. And he said that's basically be- between the prospect, Joel Holfer, who who starred uh, uh, last year at this time in, in the World Juniors, and uh, uh, and uh, Gilles, John uh, Gilles, I'm probably mispronouncing it as I frequently do with, with hockey names. He's, he's a veteran with a little bit of experience as your third goalie. So that's one taxi squad. But what do you do with the uh, rest of the guys? You've got defensive prospects like Mikolo. Wallman, Perunovic, uh, Armstrong said, uh, told me he's keeping Torpchenko. He's staying in the KHL. He said he wants to bring Costin back, but I noticed today Costin playing and actually scored a goal first time in the KHL. So he's not on his way back. So it's not like they have a bunch of forwards, uh, uh, down in, uh, uh, what would be Springfield, uh, that, that are, kind of NHL ready or big NHL prospects. So who, who knows, maybe we'll see the Aussie back uh, on the taxi squad, Nathan, Nathan Walker. Yeah. Does it count in saying if, if Cairo is sent to the AHL, but doesn't go to Springfield, does it count as being in the AHL? If he's sitting <laughs> on the, on the blues taxi squad and following, traveling with the team and going anywhere, he's kind I, of not yeah. really in the AHL anymore. Oh, that's, Oh, okay. I see. Now you're thinking like, this is Doug Armstrong's out. You're not, you're not really in yeah. the, uh, in the AHL, okay. No, you're not in the AHL, but you're getting your. Unfortunately, you do have to collect your AHL um, salary because you're uh, technically. An <laughs> so AHL he's going player. from what seven hundred thousand to about seventy thousand. Is what you're telling. Yeah, I mean, now, these are all sorts of things that they have to iron out. But you know, 
ultimately, uh, guys, you have to admire a general manager who is, is willing to put all of put his staff through all of this to try to get the best possible roster. It would have been easy to just take a more sensible approach with the cap money uh, instead of going after Tory Krug immediately. Uh, when Alan, when Petrangelo left, you could have kept your cushion, waited to see how things played out. You could have done the same with Alexander Steen's cap dollars. But guys, that's not apparently that's not the way Doug Armstrong works. <laughs> he 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 likes to think out of the box to the point where he thought about and he said this before to us. He thinks the the it's more leadership groups than captain. They thought he broached the subject anyway with Baruby about having rotating captain. So he he's he's not bound by uh, 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 conventions here. And how would you like to be a a player on this team? And the it looks like Petro's leaving. You're like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? And boom, like that. Oh, Tory Krug's on the roster. Are are you uh, you you have uh, Tarasenko that's hurt, and oh my gosh, you're gonna have Mike Hoffman on the roster. That's got to make a player, unless unless you're a guy that maybe is gonna lose some ice time or maybe even a spot on the varsity uh, because of it. It's got to make a player feel great about playing for the uh, uh, for the Blues. By the way, talking about Hoffman and the salary cap and the fact that since he's not a PTO, other teams could negotiate with him and sign him. I would think at this point, I mean, he knows his side can do the math as well as we can. And so he's got to know that he's got potentially $4 million coming from the blues. If he had had an offer for that much from somebody else, he'd have taken it presumably. So it would seem yeah. at this point, unless someone's like, Oh, wait, I can get him for five, you know, well, let's make something. But I would think that he knows what the numbers are and he knows that the blues are a Stanley cup contender and he makes them only more so that it's going to be, I think, tough for another team to come in and sign Mike Hoffman away from the blues at this point. And there, there are teams that, uh, uh, are, that have had what, three months to get him. So there's, there's been kind of some eyebrows raised like, boy, the, the blues are still are sure kind of stretching the uh, capitals. No, he had three months to sign this guy. So I, I don't think he would have come to St. Louis if, if his intention wasn't to play for the blues, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little gentleman's agreement on, on the, the contract, but this this way you get Mike Hoffman uh, gets gets the seven day quarantine over. He gets to take part in camp, and then when you have the money available, boom, he's he's a uh, he's a St. Louis Blue. You know, somewhere out there in the in the heavens or down below, I can think of many a former Blues executive uh, having pulled similar stunts way in the <laughs> way back days yeah. of uh, <laughs> the, the uh, hidden contracts, the secret contracts, the agreements that were. In a, in a drawer number two, and then the, what the agreement in drawer number one went to the league. And yeah, so that's kind of a throwback to the old days with the great <laughs> Jack Quinn and Ron Caron and Mike Shanahan pulling stunts to try to get guys to circumvent the rules. But, you know, th this seems all above board. And I guess for Hoffman, the bet is a uh, couple things, you know, no preseason game. So there's very little, he's not going to take much injury, injury risk pandemic year. Uh, teams didn't have much time to prepare for the flat cap next year. They'll be better prepared. He goes to a winner. He tries to build his, his value. And he, you know, he can, so he, he can really only help himself by coming to the blues and, and doing what he does. And presumably in a year, if all goes well, he'll be in a much better position because again, teams will have the expansion draft they'll be dealing with. They'll be offloading payroll. And in a year they'll have a better idea of how to handle the flat cap. Yeah, and, and who knows, the you know, Schwartz is in a walk here this year. 
let's just say hypothetically the Blues are having trouble getting Schwartz. Hoffman's a great fix. Maybe you shove all that money over to, to Hoffman's way and, and, and you want to keep him. He's what, maybe a year or two older than Schwartz, but not that much of a difference. You'd think he'd have uh, some years left. And if you're Hoffman, I, I firmly believe regardless of the sport, the more you're in the league, the more you want to win a championship if you're a veteran player. So now he's, this will be a seventh full season. Did, did, did he make what, what uh, did Ottawa make the finals one of the years he was there? You guys, do you remember? I think maybe they did. But other than that, he's hardly had a sniff in the playoffs. And as a younger player, he was used to success. In juniors, he went to the Memorial Cup uh, in junior hockey, and, and he won a Calder uh, Trophy in the AHL. And he hasn't, he hasn't had a whole lot of success in terms of postseason in, in the NHL. Yeah, 2016-17 would have been Ottawa's uh, big run year. But, yeah, I mean, you know, He's, but 19 of his 20 of his 29 postseason games were in in that one season, so um, yeah, I mean this is a good chance for him. I mean it's going to be a weird year, um, but um, yeah, he's talking. This is a chance for him to make uh, to make the best of it and to and to get that next contract to be the big contract that he thought. You know, thinking back, you know, how weird is it that the Blues have essentially acquired the premier free agent on the market. And as we sit here recording this a day later, it's, it's like the team put out a three paragraph press release on it. And, and that's, and that's it. You know, the general manager hasn't spoken, the player hasn't spoken. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's weird times, but it's, you, you would think we we're going to get this guy who is the best player out there and okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's not a wink, wink, officially a blue yet. But the other thing you mentioned, Hoffman is the, the top uh, uh, free agent. They probably, wouldn't you say, Krug is the, was the number two defenseman available? So here yeah. they are cap strapped, uh, cap strapped, and they've gotten the, maybe uh, the top overall free agent and the number two overall defenseman on the market. That's, yeah. After, that's and uh, lost not too shabby. Defenseman available on the market. Right. All right. right. Uh, what, what, what I admired about Armstrong was, you know, he went around and around and around and around and around and around and around with the Petrangelo camp. And, you know, once it was over, it's like, you know, it's like going through counseling for two years with your wife. It doesn't work out. She hits the bricks. And 10 minutes later, new wife shows up. I mean, I mean, the bed was not even cold yet. And the new no, wife no, the bed was not even officially abandoned yet. You know, no, I mean, it, no, it Petro no was setting, setting up the trip. But I, I, I like that uh, Doug Armstrong. Uh, he, he, he doesn't mess around. He just, oh. he just doesn't mess around. And uh, uh, you know, the the guy kicks the t- uh, to my knowledge, he kicks the tires on everything. He'll 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 make all kinds of uh, uh, phone calls, and and you just never know when that scenario will play itself out, and you'll. Uh, you may be uh, needing that player, landing that player. You know, something that's lo- we've kind of lost, and we haven't mentioned all this, Blue's training camp opens on Monday. We've, we've got a <laughs> hockey season that is just over two weeks away. I mean, hockey is, is going to start again. It, it's, it's, uh, it's just all the Zoom, there it was. And now we've got, we've got hockey, and it's, and it's starting, and we've got to get ready for that. Yeah, yeah, literally what right right before Christmas it's like I oh we're 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 starting the season camp starts in 10 days. You know, and that was that. 
I, I hope nobody's been following the old Craig Janney uh, training uh, regimen that he did before the abrupt return to hockey back in the day. Uh, hopefully the guys will show up. And last topic on this edition of Netfront Presence, uh, a quick mention of the new captain, which was not a surprise. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly has been a leader since the day he got to St. Louis. He wanted to win a cup. He was tired of losing. He took that, he took that to the ice every day in practice. And uh, he was integral to the team's breakthrough to win the cup. And uh, it just seems like a natural step for him, but one that he's taking quite uh, shouldering the responsibility quite seriously. Yeah. It seemed almost uh, uh, as soon as Petro was out the door, it seemed almost a foregone conclusion that it would be O'Reilly. Not, not that there aren't some other candidates, but just his whole approach, uh, the, the, everything about it, the, you know, uh, a captain's got to be able to deal with the media. O'Reilly has that down to a T and uh, his, his, off the ice, he's great. Uh, the extra work he puts on the ice and pretty impressive for a, a guy that's only uh, been with the team two years to to be the captain. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that quickly gained a, a, a lot of respect. And, you know, Pareko and Shen, the other guys wearing the A's, uh, uh, along with uh, with Tarasenko, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, – a real different looking uh, look for this, for this team now with, uh, with no Petro, Bo, Jake Allen and Steen and, and uh, you know, with, uh, with Krug and, and uh, Tommy mentioned uh, uh, Jim Montgomery. Now it's an assistant coach. Uh, uh, who's Montgomery? Well, he's the blues assistant coach now as uh, Jordan Bennington once asked. And, and, and then, you know, you throw in Mike Hoffman too, and let's not forget Kyle Clifford, a, uh, a little bit of a muscle roll for him. So uh, different looking blues team. We'll see. We'll see very soon. And Rich Matthews taken over as equipment manager. So that's another, uh, another change there. Up and down the lineup there. We, we yeah. have some changes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so often, you know, in the, we see in the media, we see part of the picture and it was difficult to always convey what steam meant because you couldn't be in the room to see. And, and there are some guys who were like good with the media but maybe don't have the respect from the players. But I think O'Reilly is a guy, and I can think of examples of the Blues of people who you would think, boy, my guy must have been a real leader in the room. And like, nah, he really wasn't. But O'Reilly is a guy because of all the ice time he puts in and working with young guys and the amount of time he's practicing. That That's, you know, even if he didn't say anything, what he leads by example uh, carries him through. But, you know, um, O'Reilly is kind of a natural, uh, and and Shen is a guy who's going to be here until the end of time. Uh, apparently, is someone who I think you're going to see taking on. He's always been a leader uh, through his actions on the ice, uh, and I think you'll you'll be seeing more out of him. But will Colton Pareko become a borderline train killer at last? <laughs> That'll be one of the storylines as uh, we go forward on Netfront Presence. But for now, that is all for our very first edition. Hockey is back. I want to thank Tom Timmerman, Jim Thomas for jumping in on our first edition of Netfront Presence for the, just say it's the 2021 season because 2020, we're just going to forget about that whole thing. It's just going to be the 2021 season. Uh, for Jim, for Tom, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. Be sure to uh, check us out. If you're seeing us on the internet, uh, check us out on all your favorite podcast uh, providers and tell your friends about us. And please do subscribe to the Post-Dispatch uh, great digital subscription opportunities out there as well as a print edition until next time for the gang see ya